as we were singing that song, I'll Fly Away, it, I remember uh, when I was a kid, there was a, I heard a pastor one time say, for those of us who are believers in Christ, who have given our lives to Jesus, this world is as close to hell as we will ever get. Right? And no matter how much is messed up and broken in the world, if you have given your life to Christ, you will never get any closer to hell than this. But for those who have not trusted in Jesus, who have not surrendered their lives to him, this world is as close to heaven as they will ever get. And he said, which side of that do you want to be on? And I, I remember that all these years later. Uh, it's true. Our hope is in Christ and this world is as low as we will ever get because Christ will lift us up into paradise with him. Um, and there are many things that are broken in our world today. I'm sure you have seen in the news that Russia has invaded Ukraine. Um, and so we're going to pray for our Ukrainian brothers and sisters today in our service. Uh, Daryl Anderson was a missionary in uh, Europe for many years and he brought us a flag of Ukraine that we hung there on the wall just as a reminder to be praying for the people of Ukraine. So I'm going to invite Daryl up to lead us in prayer. It's on. Yep. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor Andy. Yeah, it's a privilege to be here this morning to pray with you for our brothers and sisters in the Ukraine. That flag was given to me in about 1991 uh, when I was in Kiev or Kiev, depending on what part of the world you're talking uh, from. But, um, and that flag was given to me by uh, leaders in the evangelical church at that time. And, and at that time, they were so excited. This is, you know, coming out of communism, coming into freedom. The church had new freedoms. And they looked forward to uh, the privilege of being able to witness and proclaim Christ openly and do so in a free country. So that's the flag. And that's why you, you also see the trident on the side because of the era that I got it. You don't see that trident anymore. Um, and they still use a trident. It's actually the shield for Ukraine. But the blue is for blue skies and the yellow is actually for sunflower uh, plants, of which they are the major producer for the world and also, also grain, but th that's why the two uh, colors uh, of the flag there. Um, and in 91, when I went there, of course, they were excited about the new era, but think about that, that was 30 years ago. So most of the men that are fighting in the streets and around Kyiv and other parts of Ukraine have never known anything but freedom um, for them in 35. Uh, so they're fighting for their lives, for their country, for freedom that they have always known, but now is being taken back. So let's pray for our brothers and sisters in the Ukraine. Pray with me. Father in heaven, we're told in scriptures and we know that you are a sovereign Lord, that nothing happens in this world without you knowing and directing and caring, Father, for every individual that's being affected by your sovereignty and direction. 
And so, first, Father, we do acknowledge that. But also, Father, we know that in the darkness that we see in the Ukraine right now and the tragedy that's taking place, that your heart breaks for those men and women caught in that situation. And Father, we also know that in the darkness of that country, our brothers and sisters will shine the brightest for you because their hope is in you and their faith is in you and they know that you are the ones that care and provide for them. So we pray for our brothers and sisters that they would have the ability to be a witness for you even in this dark hour uh, for all that they have in contact and, and, and are able to witness to uh, at this time. And Father, we also pray uh, because we know that you have and will call some of our brothers by your mercy into your kingdom and out of the battle. And Father, we ask for their transition, that it would be a witness for you. And we also ask for their families that are left behind, that you would provide the comfort and grace and strength uh, to carry on, Father, in life and their witness for you. Father, again, we're thankful that you are the one that provides fully for every need. And right now, we just especially lift up our brothers and sisters in the Ukraine, that they, Father, would know your presence in a very special way. Father, we ask for you who moves leaders and countries and peoples around, as we read in Acts 16, that are the one that will ultimately bring about your good and perfect will through this terrible situation. And so we're thankful that we can lift this up to you and do so in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Daryl. We're going to sing a little bit more in a few minutes. Um, <clears throat> as you know, that every other Sunday we have Family Worship Sunday where all the kids are up here. And then on the uh, alternating weeks, we have Lakeview Kids and the kids are downstairs. And on those alternating weeks, um, parents can just go ahead and drop their kids off as soon as you get here. But if you missed that or didn't, wasn't sure what week it is and you'd like to dismiss your kids down to Lakeview Kids now, feel free to go ahead and do that. And they can run on downstairs and enjoy... Uh, and enjoy the programming and the teaching uh, for them. And uh, I have one other quick announcement. Next Sunday is Gospel Community Night. We'll be watching The Chosen episode six, I think. And so I'd encourage you to come out for that next Sunday evening at 5.30, and we will gather and watch that show. Uh, we are in a series called Alelon, which is the Greek word translated one another in the New Testament. And um, our reading for this morning is going to be read by John Fevig. So I'm going to invite him up to read from Romans chapter 12 as we hear the next uh, one another command, which is honor one another. Here we go. Thank you. Good morning. Um, again, Romans 12, uh, 3 to 5 and verse 10. I think Josh read uh, verses 3 to 5 a couple weeks ago. But here it is out of the ESV. For by, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the, to the measure of faith that God has assigned. 
For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. And then verse 10. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Honor one another is our command for this morning. Um, and this past week, one of our dear friends, one of my dear friends uh, and friends, Carol Troyer, passed away. There's a picture of Carol with two of her grandkids. We met Carol in Pontiac, Illinois, while we were serving uh, as associate pastor at Pontiac Bible Church. And Carol was a very special and unique person. She was someone who dedicated her life to honoring others. Carol would go out of her way to make you feel special. She would listen to you talk. She would ask uh, clarifying questions. She would share funny anecdotes. Carol was a, 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 an amazing person. I've shared a little bit about her before. She's the person who prayed for her neighbor for 19 years that he would be saved. And finally, after 19 years, he received Christ. She didn't give up praying for him for 19 years. Years. That's the kind of person Carol was. She dedicated her life to honoring others. When you were around Carol for any more than 30 seconds, you felt like you were somebody special. When, when people would, would have interactions with her, they would walk away feeling like they were somebody important. Carol uh, took it upon herself to start a card ministry at our church, and she wrote thousands upon thousands of cards and letters, handwritten cards and letters to people all over through our church family, uh, people in the community. Pontiac, Illinois has a, a huge federal prison uh, in the city and she would write to the inmates. She wrote thousands of cards and letters in an attempt to honor others. If you were somebody at Pontiac Bible Church, you can believe that you got a card or a letter from Carol, usually at least two or three times a year. Didn't matter if you were the pastor. It didn't matter if you were somebody that sat in the very back row. She lived her life to honor others. And at her funeral, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people were saying, Carol made a difference in my life. Carol impacted me. Carol changed my life because she dedicated her life to honoring others. In Romans 12.10, we're told to honor one another. What does it mean to honor one another? What, what does that mean? What does that look like? This is one of those topics that we know, but we don't really know. Do you know what I mean? So, uh, for example, we know that money is not the most important thing in life. Everybody knows that. We teach our kids that. School assemblies uh, have that as one of the topics. We know, we know up here that money is not the most important thing in life. And yet, we all live our lives as if money were the most important thing in life. Right? We know that when we're laying on our deathbed, none of us are going to say, I'm so glad I have all that money in my bank account right now as I take my last breath. We know that. And yet, that's how we live. We know it here, but we don't know it here. And honoring one another, is, it's, it's kind of like that. We know. We know what this means. We know that we're not supposed to seek our own honor, but let somebody else honor us. We know that we're supposed to honor others. We know it here, but nobody really lives it out. 
We know it in our heads, but we don't know it in our hearts. We don't know it in our mouths. We don't know it in our hands. And so my hope and prayer for the the scripture this morning is that the Holy Spirit drives it deeper, maybe from our heads to our hearts, so that it can go out of our mouths, out of our hands, through our actions, that we can honor and uh, and love one another the way the Bible teaches us to. So uh, what does it mean to honor one another? If we're going to do this, we've got to know what, what it means. Well, the word honor literally means to uh, it literally means to give weight it means heavy or weighty so uh, to honor someone is to give weight or to grant a person a position of respect and authority in your life that definition comes from the evangelical dictionary of biblical theology and i thought it was really good to honor someone is to give that person weight or position or respect or authority in your life. You can think about if you were meeting with the president of a country, any country, if you're meeting with the president or the king or the emperor or uh, the prime minister or however the countries are set up, if you're meeting with the top ruler of that nation, you're going to show certain kinds of respect and honor to that person simply because of their position and status. They are a very important person in the world and in the life of their country. And so we give them a position of weight and authority and respect and status. When they speak, we listen. We, we take into account the things they say as though their opinions were legitimate options to be considered. Right? And so that's what it means to honor one another, to give somebody position, respect, authority in your life, to give them weight in your life. And the Bible teaches us not just to honor the kings and the queens and the people who are in power and the celebrities, but to honor one another, to look around at the family of God and honor those who are sitting in the same room with you, to give them respect and authority in your life. Now, if you look at Romans chapter 12, verse 10, the first sentence in that verse is to love one another, but then the second sentence is where we get the command of honoring one another. And, and if you read it carefully, what actually is the command? It's up there on the screen. What actually is the command? To outdo one another. He doesn't actually command us to honor one another. He commands us to outdo one another. Well, that sounds interesting because we're Americans. We like competition. Does this mean we're supposed to like, I'm going to start a social media feed that shows all the ways that I honor people so that I can get more honor points. And then you over here, you're not getting as many honor. I'm outdoing you and showing honor. Is that what he's talking about? Not exactly. The command actually is to outdo one another and, the, and showing honor is the way in which we're supposed to outdo one another. But, but what does it mean to outdo one another in showing honor? Well, uh, let's go to Philippians chapter two. Philippians was also written by the Apostle Paul, just like the book of Romans was. Philippians chapter two, verse three, Paul says this, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, Count others more significant than yourselves. To outdo one another in showing honor means to uh, count others as more significant than yourselves. Or we could summarize it like this. It means to give more honor than we expect to receive. 
if honoring someone is giving them respect and authority in our lives, then we should give more respect than we expect to receive back. That's what it means to outdo one another. It's not, it's not starting a social media feed so that everybody can be so proud of me for the way I honor everybody else. That would just be honoring myself, right? It's to give more honor than we expect to receive in return. Don't just honor the people who can honor you back, right? Don't just honor the important people who will turn around and and reward you with a higher status or a better position or more respect or or a higher uh, promotion or whatever, but honor everybody, including the people who you don't think have anything to give back to you. We still honor them. And when we are living like that, we are beginning to honor one another the way the Bible teaches us to outdo one another in showing honor. Now, who are all those people? Who are the people that we should honor? Sometimes in sermons, we like to explain a lot about what the Bible says. And sometimes we just need to get out of the way and let the Bible speak for itself. And that's what we're gonna do this morning. Uh, We're gonna jump all over the pages of the New Testament. Um, All the verses will be up there on the screen. But I wanna look at who the Bible calls us to honor. Who are we supposed to honor? And the first uh, one that we see is that we honor God. First Timothy chapter one, verse 17 says, to the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. As Christians, we live first and foremost to honor God above all. We're also, we also see in Ephesians chapter six that we honor our parents Ephesians 6.1, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. Maybe we should have done this one last week when the kids were all upstairs. <laughs> oh, uh, better planning next time. It's okay. We honor our parents. And by the way, you don't have to be a little child to honor your parents. Adults can honor their parents as well. Uh, we also see in 1 Corinthians Chapter 12, that we honor those who are weaker. 1 Corinthians 12, 22, on the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty. Those members of the church family who we think and see as weaker or not as spiritually mature, We give them special honor. We give them special respect because they are loved members of our family. We honor those who are weaker. Uh, We also see in Matthew chapter 20 that we honor those who are under our care. Jesus called his disciples together in Matthew 20, 25. He said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever could be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. When we are put into positions of authority, we are we are put there by God in order to serve those who are under our care, to honor them. That's what, it's all, that's what leadership is all about. So we honor those who are under our care. On the flip side of that, we also honor those who are over us, who are put into authority over us to care for us. 
Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning for that would be of no advantage to you. We honor those who are under our authority and we honor those whose authority we are under. Those who we are caring for and those who are caring for us. Honor goes both ways, both directions. We honor God, we honor our parents, we honor those who are weaker, we honor those who are under our care, we honor those who are in authority over us. And last, uh, and this is the most difficult for me personally, is we honor the governing authorities. 1 Peter chapter 2 Verse 13, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. It's hard to read. Those are challenging words. And the thing that makes it even more astonishing is that when Peter wrote those words, he was writing uh, under the Roman Empire, and he was writing uh, at the time that Christians were, uh, were being persecuted by the government. The emperor was endorsing and encouraging persecution of Christians. And Peter says, you know that emperor who is actively persecuting us? Honor him. That's really challenging. That's really hard. That's probably the hardest one for me. I'm okay with honoring God. I'm okay with honoring my parents. I can honor those who are weaker. I can honor those who are under my care. I can submit to authority and honor those God has placed over me. But honoring the governing authorities, that's my big hang up in that list. But yet that's what God calls us to do. This is what it means to honor one another to give someone the weight or to grant them a position of respect and authority in your life. Now, how do we do that? What does that look like, practically speaking? Um, How do we honor one another? Because we've got to get into the practical side of it or as one New Testament scholar said, honor without action is not honor. It's incomplete. It's just lip service. We're not actually living it out. It's like, yeah, I know money's not the most important thing in life. Let me go chase after my pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, right? Yeah, I know we're supposed to honor one another, but let me start up my social media feed so everybody can see how great my life is, right? So how do we do this? Where do we go? How do we honor one another? And I want to give you two quick uh, practical examples and then we're going to sing a little bit. Uh, We honor one another first. In order to do that, you need to understand that we don't seek our own honor. We cannot honor others if we are concerned with seeking our own honor. As long as my motive in life is self-promotion, then I'm honoring myself and I'm not honoring others. God or others. We can't seek our own honor. Jesus taught this in Luke chapter 14. Now the context is uh, that he's gathered at a banquet and uh, he, he must have come early because he's watching as people arrive at the banquet. And in that day, when you were invited to a banquet, who, the, there was a seating arrangement, <laughs> right? And whoever sat closest to the host was the most honored guest. 
So Jesus gets early. He's kind of standing over in the corner. He's probably drinking a little coffee, uh, mingling with the other early birds. And he's just watching who's coming to the banquet. And he sees the people start coming in and they start eyeing the table. And they're like, okay, where's the host seat? Okay, the host is sitting right there. I'm just going to go casually drop my hat off right there at the seat next to the host. Mark that as mine. You know, I'll go down and, and do this on the, on the seat back. Mine. Yeah, anybody ever do that? Lick the mine, right? Uh, I, I'm going to do that. Mark that seat out as mine so that, so that when we all sit down, I'm sitting right next to the host and everybody else in the room knows I am the most honored guest. I have the highest status in the room. Jesus is watching this scene play out. And then in Luke chapter 14, Verse 7, now he told a parable to those who were invited when he noticed how they chose the places of honor, saying to them, when you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, <laughs> lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this person, and then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. If we're going to live out honoring one another, the first thing that we need to do is assume that everybody else in the room is more important than me. Instead of going to stake out the highest seat of honor and then be humiliated because someone else more important than me came, I should go and assume that everyone else is more important. I'm going to take the lowest seat in the house and then I will be honored by the host. In other words, we could summarize this, this lesson by saying, you worry about honoring God and others and let God worry about honoring you. God will take care of that. That's in God's hands. Don't worry about that. Let's just live our lives to honor God and honor others. Assume that everyone else in the room is more important than me. And we will let God worry about honoring us in whatever way and whatever fashion he decides to do that. I'm just going to trust God with my reputation and my honor and I'm going to let him do that. That's what Jesus is teaching. Don't seek your own honor. Assume that everyone else in the room is more important than you. And the second practical way that we can live this out, uh, let's put up that list again of who we're supposed to honor. Now, I left one category off the list, and I did it on purpose so that we could finish with this. Um, the second way that we, that we can practically live this out is by honoring those who are older and younger. We honor our God, we honor our parents, we honor those who are weaker, we honor those who are under our care and authority over us, we honor the governing authorities, and where I want to close is to honor those who are older and younger. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 1. Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. It's very popular in churches uh, to organize their ministries and small groups by age and stage. 
All of the elementary kids over here and the teenagers over here and the young 20s over here and the middle-aged people over here and the empty nesters over here and the retirees over there and everybody's got their own little social group. And the problem with that is we all end up in groups where everybody is is about the same level of maturity. But we can't grow spiritually unless we intermix with people who are at various levels of maturity, both more and less mature than us. We need to be intergenerational. We honor those who are older and younger. Don't just huddle up with people your own age, but seek out someone in a different season of life. Get to know them because, here's a secret, they have something of value to offer. I'm going to invite the worship team back up. We're going to sing in just a moment. As I close, uh, let me speak um, for a moment first to the younger people uh, who are part of our church family. It is so easy for younger people, I'll include myself in that, those of us who are younger, uh, to, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I turned 40 this year, so I'm going to, when I hit that, it's just all downhill from there. Anyway, um, I, uh, it's so easy for those who are younger to fall into the trap of what C.S. Lewis calls chronological snobbery. To think that just because it's newer, that means it's better. Well, that might have been great for the way you raised your kids back in the day in 2001. But we have learned so much more. We have Parent Magazine now. We've learned so much more. We're, we've learned how to raise our kids. right. I don't need any advice from you. And then your kids turn into teenagers and they're little demons, right? Uh, Don't just dismiss older people assuming that they're outdated or out of touch. Older people are a fountain of wisdom and life experience and they have so much to offer and share. Do you know, we learn content through teaching like this, but we learn character through imitation. And if we're only ever in, around people that are in the same age and stage as us, we have no opportunity to imitate those who have uh, gone a few steps further in life than we have. So I, you think about it like this. If I'm sitting in a restaurant with a, a, a small group of people and there's a multi-generational mix and our server gets the order wrong, uh, if I see an older man respond to that server with grace with kindness, with humility, my brain registers that action. I've seen it. But uh, what if I grew up watching my dad yell at the server and be horribly rude when they got our order wrong? What my brain does is it makes a correction, and oftentimes I'm not even aware that it's happening. It makes a correction and it says, aha, wait a minute. This is how we're supposed to treat servers in the kingdom of God, with grace and respect and humility. Oh, Next time that I'm interacting with a server who gets my order wrong, my brain is going to have a character switch because I saw it. And I might not even be consciously aware that that interaction and exchange is happening in my mind. It is so important for those who are younger to mix with those who are older so that we can imitate their way of life. That's how character is developed. Now, let me uh, say something to those who are older. And I'll include myself in that because I turn 40 this summer and I'm going to be old. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's so easy for those who are older to look at younger people and say, oh, they're naive. They haven't been through anything real in life. They haven't suffered anything hard. They haven't endured anything. You know, I walked to school uphill both ways and all that stuff. And and these kids today, they just don't know how to do anything. And it's easy just to dismiss them because they're young. 
until we need them to change a setting on our smartphones that we can't figure out. <laughs> but I go through seasons in my life where I meet with people for discipleship and then I take a little break and then I meet with people for discipleship and then I take a little break and I, I do this. And, uh, and a couple of years ago, I was meeting with three young guys in their 20s uh, and I met with them, some of them for a couple of years and, uh, and I was meeting with them with, in my mind to mentor them. But I can tell you that I learned as much from them as they did for me. Easy. Maybe more. And it's true. They don't, they don't look at life the same way I do. They, they don't go about things the same way I do. But guess what? They have fresh perspective that I don't have. They have creative ideas that I haven't thought of. They read scripture in ways that are different than I see it. And together we learn when we honor one another. So we honor those who are older and we honor those who are younger and that's why we seek to be an intergenerational church. We honor one another by giving weight to or granting uh, respect and authority to people in our lives. We honor God, we honor our parents, we honor those who are weaker, we honor those who are under our care, we honor those who are in authority over us, we honor the governing authorities and we honor the older and the younger. Let's sing and worship. Yeah, that's good stuff, guys. That's good stuff. We are going to talk this morning just for a few minutes about prayer and scripture. Two fabulous topics. We don't got a ton of time to talk about it, but we are. If you want to turn to 1 Corinthians, we'll get there. Just not yet. Um, but when we get there, you'll be ready. So, I want to start with the word. I want to start with, well, what it is. We have 66 books of God's words spoken throughout history. It's, it's his character displayed throughout time and his story told throughout generations. <laughs> oh. It's living. It's breathing. You could read it a hundred times and your perspective will grow. And every time you'll see something that you didn't see last time you read it. It's not a book that you could just read once and put on a shelf and collect dust. See, it's, it's your sword. It's life. It's everything you could ever need from God. It's his word. And so... Some of the things, one of the problems is that I've, I've heard this told to me before that, Jesse, you've gone to college specifically for this, to, to read the word, you know, goodly. Um, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I, I went there and I knew how to, I figured out a little bit of doctrine and theology, but, but see, that's not the point. The beauty of our God is that it doesn't matter if you have a bachelor's degree, a master's or a doctorate in order to, to know how to read ancient Hebrew. It doesn't matter how much schooling you went through. Look, he's given us his spirit. Holy Spirit lives in us and is revealing. It, it, it makes the truth come alive to us. So this is where we're going to get to 1 Corinthians. If you're there, we're right here in 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 14. We're going to read it. It's going to be great. Woo! Verse 9. But as it is written... What no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined. What God has prepared for those who love him. 
These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. Okay, we're going to pause there because that was amazing. And if you missed it, we're going to, oh, what no eye has seen nor ear has heard. Not even the heart of man could even imagine it. These are the things that his Spirit is revealing to us. That's enough to stop there, but it doesn't. It keeps going. Check it out. Oh, man, so good. For uh, the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. Oh, boy. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. And we impart this in word, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. See, the natural person does not accept these, the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. All that to show that, look, just it's beautiful. Holy Spirit reveals his truth to us. <laughs> so it, it, it doesn't, it, well, I guess if, if you don't have the spirit, then yeah, it's going to be really tricky. It's going to be really difficult. You're never going to understand it because you don't have the spirit in you. It, it's just going to be another history book for you that'll sit on the shelf and collect dust. But when you believe in Christ and his story, whole, God puts a new spirit in you. And the things of this earth start to grow dim. The sins that used to satisfy your daily existence start to bother you. And you start to understand the things of God a little better and they become more clear the longer you follow him. So if we are to read his word daily to better live for Christ, we need to start with prayer. Hmm. So... When I get to a quiet time in my day, whether it's right at the front of the day or at the end of the day, I need to continue to practice this. It could be a 10-second prayer, like, Holy Spirit, help me be in tune with you in this moment as I read. Make clear what you would have me understand from your word today. And that is a great prayer to start off your time in the word because... Because when we close our Bible, when we leave our quiet time with God and we walk out of our house, we need God. Okay, well, we may not need God if our day is going to consist of Netflix. We don't need prayer for that. We don't need prayer if we're just gonna go beat a video game that we've been trying to, you don't need prayer to do that. You don't need prayer to just squeeze by your day, get through, keep your head down, and just 
move throughout the day and hopefully nothing bad happens. You're like, I just, I just need to get through. It's like you don't need prayer for that. You don't even need prayer to get here on a Sunday morning and pretend that life is fabulous. You don't need prayer for that. But when, oh, this is going to be good. But when you risk everything to glorify Jesus Christ, you need prayer. When you sacrifice your possessions, your dreams, and your hopes, and your career, and you lay it on the line, and you stake your reputation down on your allegiance to Christ, you're going to need prayer. When, when your longing day in and day out is to lead people to faith in Christ, you need prayer. You start to rely on prayer and you become desperate for prayer because you're devoted to his mission. And when the aim of your life is to affect as many people with the gospel of Christ for the glory of Christ, you will find yourself given over to prayer. So that looks like when you leave your house and you're representing Jesus, <laughs> whether it's at the gas station or the grocery store, or maybe you go on vacation, or you're, you're, you're going to work. See, our minds need to be consumed with the prayer of God. I need you to help. Let me know if there's somebody here that I need to speak to, that I need to pray for. God, when I open my mouth to speak, I need you there with me because I can't change hearts. And if you're not there, God, they're going to walk away and say, well, <laughs> they'll never know. So God, break my heart for what breaks yours and help us to actually love the lost. <laughs> the worship team can come back up. We're going to sing in a bit. It's going to be fabulous. But I want to close with this. Oh, we need to be saturated. Ooh, good word, Jesse Bariga. We need to be saturated with the word so that we will know what to say, how to say it, when to say it, and when not to say certain things. See, he's given us his spirit. So John, what is it, 14, 26. Yes, but the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, in Christ's name, he will teach you all things and bring you to your, and bring to you remembrance all the things that I have said. That's a weird way to say it. But it's basically, look, he's reminding you of everything. It doesn't matter how amazing I am at memorizing stuff, because I'm not. I'm poor at it, but it doesn't matter how good I am at it because it's Holy Spirit through me that I could rely on to remind me of what I've read that morning, of what I read the days past, so that my words are his words, so that his word is my sword. Jesus, when you are daily in the word and continuously relying on the power of prayer, it doesn't matter if you have a master's in doctrine and theology. God is going to use you to make his name great. Let's pray. Yes, God, we thank you that you are with us, that we can 
rely on you. That it doesn't matter how smart or how stupid we are, God, but it matters that you promised you'd be with us and that you'd give us everything we need. Help us to put this into practice this week. I'm bad at it, at living this way, so give us the strength to persevere in walking in faith.